Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? Pretty decent. Stand up on your feet if you're able to. Those of you that are worshiping with us online, we are glad to have you this morning. Uh, can our in-person audience give it up for our online audience this morning, our online congregation? We're one church. A little bit snowy and slippery out there, so I know a lot of people are staying home this morning. But we are together in God's presence, remembering who we are and what he's called us to. So let's declare our faith together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead. Yes, we do. And the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to see you this morning, New Life East. Uh, Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you. Hope that you enjoy your holiday season there. We had, uh, last time I was in this building was Christmas Eve. How many of you were here on Christmas Eve? What a service that was, wasn't it? Unbelievable. And then we had that next Sunday off, Pastor Colin covered for me. And then somebody texted me last Sunday morning and they were like, Andrew, it's, I'm so glad to see that you have two Sundays in a row off. And I wasn't. I was preaching at New Life North and it was great to be there. And I love those people, but this place feels like home to me, and I have missed you. So it's good to see you. Uh, next Sunday, we begin a new series across all of our New Life congregations called Who is God? And it's going to be, um, it's a 24 or 25, maybe just depending on the congregation, week series on the persons of the Godhead. And so it'll be eight weeks on the Father, eight weeks on the Son, and eight weeks on the Holy Spirit that'll take us right up into the summer, which is going to be so much fun. And uh, I think in some ways, this is going to be like Christianity 101. And so some of you have some folks that are far from church or people that you've been witnessing to. It's a great opportunity to bring them to church. So I'd encourage you to uh, bring them with you to church over the next bunch of weeks. But this morning, across all my New Life congregations, is a Vision Sunday. And I love mornings like this. I've been part of this church for going on five years now. Since I've been here, we have not had one of these. And I love them. We used to do these at our church in Denver all the time. And I think that they're so beautiful for just kind of like clearing all the ambiguity out of the room and saying, hey, this is who we are, and this is what we feel like the Spirit has laid on our hearts. This is where we're going. So I'm excited to share with you both some things that are happening in New Life Global, kind of the whole, uh, the whole kit and caboodle that is New Life Church, and also some things that the Lord has laid on our hearts specifically as a staff for this congregation, stuff that we feel like the Spirit wants us to press into. So I'm going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 3, coincidentally, uh, it, this happens to be the season of Epiphany, which comes right after Christmas tide. And Epiphany is the season of the church calendar when the church remembers that early part of the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus starts to reveal himself to the world. So that's when Epiphany is. Epiphany is a, it's a showing. It's a disclosure. And what we're trusting, one of the things that Epiphany knows is that insofar as we see Jesus clearly, we also see ourselves and our own vocation in the world clearly. So this morning, what we're going to do is look at a moment in the ministry of Jesus that has direct bearing on what it means for us to be the church of Jesus Christ living in any day, any country, any age. Before we get to the text of Scripture, let's pray. This ground is holy. The Scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There is no place that's not holy ground. We're just kind of catching up to you, Lord, <laughs> catching up to your presence, catching up to the way in which you've gone before us 
You are both the I am that I am and the I will be that I will be. You are always with us and you're going forward in front of us into the future that you've assigned to us, the place that you've called us to. So we're trusting that a sense of awe and a sense of reverence. Uh, Lord, would you cut us to the heart? We're praying. In the same way that over the heavens when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were ripped apart in the same way that when Jesus was crucified, the veil was ripped in two. So we're praying that you would rip our hearts in two and that you would come walking into our spirits, that you would come walking again into this congregation, that you would wake us up to our divine vocation and our divine destiny, that you'd help us remember what it means to be the people of God living in any time, any place, any country, any situation, and that insofar as we discern that clearly, that you'd also give us by your spirit the energy to run at it with all of our might. We're praying that you would make of us the church that you dream of. Not the church that we dream of, but the church that you dream of. Which is why we say, hallowed be your name. And let your kingdom come and your will be done in us just like it's done in heaven. So that's what we're praying over New Life East this morning. Accomplish your will in us. Let your kingdom come. We're asking that the words of the preacher's mouth... And the meditation of the hearer's hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, the scripture says, Then Jesus came from the Jordan, from Galilee to the Jordan, rather, to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, Well, I need to be baptized by you. Like John recognizes the person of Jesus. Well, I need to be baptized by you, John says, but... You're now coming to me. This doesn't make sense to John. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. I love the question of John and the confusion. I think if I was John, I would be confused too. The scripture says just a few verses earlier here in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, John, when he's talking about the baptism that he's leading out there in the wilderness, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So the baptism of John was specifically connected to repentance. It was about the people of God returning to their God. And so John is baptizing all these folks in the wilderness, and his cousin Jesus comes along, and Jesus says, I need to be baptized by you. And John is completely flabbergasted by this. He goes, ah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, my baptism is a baptism of repentance. This is all about people turning to the Lord. Jesus, like in John, in the book of John, John calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like, John is going, you don't need the baptism that I'm giving you here. This is all about having your sins washed away and returning. to. Why would you ask me? To do this, and Jesus' reply is such a telling reply. He says that it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, what's happening here is that something critical in the story of how God has decided to be with us is taking place in the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, that God is bringing something to fulfillment. Well, just what is that? One of my favorite books is a book by C.S. Lewis, a book on miracles, which if you've not read it, many of you have read Mere Christianity. If you have not read this book on miracles, I think it's one of C.S. Lewis's finest uh, expositions of what the Christian gospel really is. And in one particular chapter called The Grand Miracle, in which he's dealing with the mystery of the incarnation, he writes this. And I want you, I don't normally read quotes that are this long, but this one is one of my favorite quotes of all time. And it says, I think everything that I would want to say about what God has done for us in the person of Jesus, listen to this. He's talking about the incarnation. And Lewis writes that in the Christian story... God descends in order to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in Mary's womb ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and seedbed of the nature that he has created. But he says he goes down to come back up again and to bring the whole ruined world along with him. One has the picture, Lewis says, of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop 
in order to lift. He must also disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. Or, switching metaphors, one may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness and then glancing in midair and then gone with a splash, vanish, rushing down through green and warm water into the black and cold water, down through increasing pressure and into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover He and it are both colored now that they have come up into the light. But down below, where it lay colorless in the dark, he lost his color too. What has God accomplished for us in Jesus the Lord? The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River tells the story. Jesus submits to a baptism that he doesn't need in order to find the people that he wants to bring them up again and return them to the Father. This story, the story of Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, is really, it's it's encapsulating of the whole story of how God has come to be with us in Jesus. One of the great fathers of the church 1,600 years ago, Gregory Nazianzus, really before C.S. Lewis, and he shortened, I think Lewis expanded on what Nazianzus said, but Nazianzus put it this way. (laughs) He said that Jesus rises from the waters and the world rises with him. Guys, the baptism of Jesus encapsulates the whole mission of the incarnate Son, which is to redeem and restore and to rescue lost humanity. That's why Jesus has come among us. And the miraculous thing, the beautiful thing about the scriptures, and the shocking thing, I think, about the scriptures, is that the scriptures insist that that rescue of lost humanity does not stop with the earthly life of Jesus, but it continues through the life of the church. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So when you ask the apostle Paul, where is the body of Christ? What's Paul's answer? It's both in heaven and where is it? It's here. It's among the church. Watch what he says, verse 13. He says, for we were all baptized, think about the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, the baptism that we undergo is connected to Jesus' baptism. Paul writes, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form what? One body. Whose body? Jesus' body. That's right. Whether we are Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Verse 27, now, Paul says, he just comes out and says it, You are the very body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Think about how miraculous that is. That the incarnation of Jesus does not stop with the man Jesus, who came from Nazareth in Galilee 2,000 years ago. But in a way, the incarnation continues by the power of the Spirit as people are baptized into Jesus. And just to the extent that they're baptized into Jesus, they also are sharers in that mission. I, it took me a long time to figure this out. I've told you I'm born and raised in church for 40 years of being in church services, and it took me a very long time to figure out just exactly the role that the church plays in the plan of God. For me, the story of Scripture was very random and chaotic. There was a creation thing, and then there was something weird that happened with this people Israel, and then there was Moses and the prophets who were a little bit angry about stuff, and then the New Testament seemed like really disjointed from all of it, and Jesus was really a beautiful man and all of that, and he died and he raised to life, and you have to believe in him to go to heaven, but what's the, all of it was very confusing to me, and I'll never forget when I was 23, 24 years old, I was in seminary, and somebody finally started explaining to me that like the Bible is not just like this random collection of stuff that happened to people, but it's a story that God is telling. And the story is a story about how God made the world and he loves the world. God is passionate about the world that he has made. It begins with creation. And though human beings have rebelled against God and fallen away from him, the world falls into sin and disrepair. God doesn't give up on his world. Can I get an amen from somebody? He just doesn't give up on his world. And the whole story of the Old Testament is about God calling together a people for himself that are the carriers of God's blessing to see his kingdom come and his will done on the earth as it is in heaven, the tragedy of the Old Testament is that you discover that the people who are supposed to be blessings, they're supposed to be the rescuers, they actually carry the disease as well. Israel did. And so Jesus comes along 
sinless God and sinless man. And he takes upon himself the whole disease of humanity in order to break its power and restore us to the Father. In the pouring out of the Spirit, then, what we have is the ongoing mission of Jesus to cleanse a people for himself, to be God's rescuers, until the kingdom finally comes and the will of God is finally done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand? I've said this so many times in this community, and it bears repeating. When we gather in this place as the church of Jesus Christ, the church is not the Jesus club, all right, where we like get together and Jesus is a guy that we happen to be really fascinated with and we think he gets us to the grand celestial party at the end of all things if we just believe in him and show up to church often enough. And so that's what we do. We're kind of doing our religious duty. That's not, that's not, what, it's not a Jesus pep rally. When the church comes together, we are a slice of humanity that has been called from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every people and every language and every race and every ethnicity and every political party and every allegiance to every football team out there, right? We have been called out of all of the world's antagonisms together to be the ongoing manifestation of Jesus Christ in the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it so well many years ago when he said that the church, think about this, he says that the church is the presence of Christ in the same way that Christ is the presence of God. That when people met Jesus in the Gospels, they met God without remainder. No God behind Jesus, no God greater than Jesus, but Jesus one with his Father. That's why Jesus said, Whoever has seen me, can you finish the verse? Has seen who? The Father. Which is why he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except as we cleave to Jesus, we see who the Father is and we make our way to the Father. Well, the church is the presence of Christ in, that, is in the same way that Christ is the presence of God. That when people come into this place, they ought to see the radiant love and the goodness of Jesus and when we live our lives, we're not just living them again as people that are on Team Jesus, but we're living our lives as people that have been called into his body. We're sharers in his mission, which is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 that God's intent, here's like the summary statement of what God's been doing on planet Earth. God's intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, do you know why I'm in this? Why I do what I do? Because I believe that when the church of Jesus Christ is alive and vibrant and living into its vocation, it is the most compelling thing on planet earth. We are sharers in all that God has given us in Jesus Christ the Lord. We might also say, giving a little reprise on Gregory Nazianzus, we might almost say that the church rises from the waters and the world rises with it. What is our calling? Our calling is to be a people through whom the world is drug up into the presence of God. Think about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in who? Christ not counting people's sins against them. And Paul says that he has committed to us both the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Think about that. Yes, the question, what is God doing on planet Earth? God is the, like, there is this great indrag into the kingdom of God that is happening by the Spirit of God. And what God does is he stations men and women like you and me on the front lines of that effort that somehow through our lives, people would be caught up into the kingdom of God. Think about what Jesus says. To his disciples, I am making you now fishers of men. That the church is like the invisible dragnets embedded in society through which people are caught up into the kingdom of God and their lives are changed. Why am I saying all of this to you this morning, New Life East? I'm saying it to you to remind you of why we exist. When I think about the story of New Life East, we're coming up on our second birthday here in a few weeks. And when I think about the story of New Life East, I think about the early conversations that I had with Pastor Brady before we launched this congregation. And one of the things that Brady said over and over and over again to me and in our senior team meetings and in the elders meetings and in any opportunity he got is that he said the reason that we're opening up a new congregation on the east side of the city 
is not to make life more convenient for new lifers who live on the east side of the city. We're planting a new congregation on the east side of the city because we believe that we're called to be on the east side of the city for the sake of the east side of the city. That we're called to these people in Forest Meadows and we're called to these people in Banning Lewis Ranch and we're called to these people in Falcon and in Callahan and even in Ramah. Because we believe that the best thing that can happen for any city is that a church shows up clear-minded about the mission of Jesus. We're not here to be a more convenient option for those of us that happen to live close to Grand Peak Academy. We're here to be a missions outpost for the east side of the city. Can I get an amen from somebody? And do you know what I'm happy to say to you this morning? That as I look back over the last couple years that we've had as a congregation, guys, it's happening. The name of God is being hallowed in this house just like it is in heaven. I think about the miracle of what happens in this space when we gather together every Sunday morning. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right in the midst of them. And that happens every Sunday morning. This becomes our little tabernacle that we set up for the presence of God. And every Sunday, we're watching God glorify his name among his people. And we're watching the kingdom of God come. We're watching the will of God being done in this community and in the people that are on the fringes of this community, just like it is in heaven. I think about all of the stories that I've heard over the last couple of years. And if you sat in our staff meetings, every staff meeting we gather, we spend the first half an hour of our staff meeting as a team, just praying over this community and praying ourselves into the mission and then sharing about what we're seeing God's, God do in this community. And I'm telling you, if you sat there in one of those staff meetings, it would blow your mind what is happening. Every single week we're seeing, I think about the stories. I think about how many times I've heard people say over the last couple years that I've been in church all of my life and I've never felt home in church until this community showed up in my neighborhood. As you know what the scripture says? That God sets the lonely in families. That's Psalm 68. That's happening through the ministry of this church. I think about all of the people that I've met over the last couple years who tell me these awful stories about church hurt and church abuse that they've been through in their lives and how they thought they'd never be able to trust a church again. And then they wandered in through those doors over there and there was something wholesome in the air of this community, something that reeked of the presence of God. And they began to open their lives up to other people and they found that they could taste and see that the Lord was good inside the relationships that they made with people in this place. And they're beginning slowly but surely, week after week after week. They're learning to trust church again. Guys, that's a miracle. That happens by the power of the Spirit of God. Week after week, we're hearing the stories. Week after week, we're hearing stories about families that were like on the verge of collapse or catastrophe. Sin and brokenness had them spinning all out of control. I'm telling you, it's not just like the same stories recycled every week. It's like new stories every week. Families that were on the brink of collapse and they came and they wandered their way into home groups that you all lead. Or they started joining, they joined a serve team here and they got to know people. And something of the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ that's located in his body, it's spilled into their homes and they're finding footing and they're sitting here with us on the second and third and the fourth and the fifth row. And the Lord is taking that mess of their family and he's pulling them back into shape together. Every week, people are tasting and they're seeing that the Lord is good. I'm thinking about all of the people that I have seen. I loved one of my, it was so delightful, you know, when we started New Life East a couple years ago. We had that first service here, the first two services that first weekend. 751 showed up, people here showed up. But so many of them were people that we'd seen and we knew before. It was our launch team. It was folks from New Life North and Friday night and well-wishers and then a handful of new people that showed up in our community. And I remember remarking to Pastor Rady and the senior team about a year into our journey here as a congregation. I said, you know, when I look out at the congregation now on Sunday mornings, I think it's like 50-50. Like half people that started with us and half people that the Lord has brought in. Folks that we just didn't know. Even when I look out at you now, I think these are faces that I didn't know two years ago. And when I think about our Christmas Eve services that we had, how many of you came to that first service? jammed to the gills in here. And when I looked out at that group, first service on Christmas Eve, 
75% of the people that I looked out on, I'd never seen their faces in our church before. And I cannot tell you the happiness that I felt in my heart about that. But I thought, and I love it when we're all kind of together and it's familiar faces and all that stuff, but like, why do we exist? We don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for all of those who are not yet in this space with us. As Jesus Christ came among us and he was the man for others, he didn't exist for himself. He didn't exist to create this comfortable little community of 12 disciples and himself. And we just kind of kumbaya fested until I come back. That was a joke. You'll get it later. But the whole point of the mission of Jesus with the 12 was to fling the doors of the kingdom of God wide open so that whosoever will may come into the presence of God. And when I look out at our congregation and I see new faces sitting among us, I go, that's it right there. That we're living into the calling that God has for us. I love Paul's words to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. That's how I feel about New Life East. I know we're doing it. Thanks be to God. There's nothing broken in this place, but we're leaning into the call of God for us as in fact you are living. And so Paul says to the Thessalonians, what can I say to you? He goes, now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do it more and more. And that's what I'm saying to you this morning, New Life East that we are on the right track and we are in the center of the bullseye, right smack in the middle of the mission of God for us. And I'm saying to you, do it more and more. What does that look like for us? Getting specific about what the Lord has laid on our hearts. I got three things that I want to put in front of you that I think are invitations of the Spirit to us in the coming year. But before I get there, I want to give you some broader context about what the Lord is doing in New Life Church as a whole. This morning at the North Campus, As Pastor Brady is sharing his vision for the North Campus, one of the things that he'll be laying before them is the responsibility that a parent church has for all of its daughter churches. And some of you might know, if you've been here for any length of time, that when Pastor Brady became the senior pastor of New Life 15 or so years ago, when he took over New Life Church, New Life Church was $26.5 million in debt with that building and some of the other things that they had done over the years. That's no small sum. And over the last 15 years, God has been so good to us and he's been so faithful to us. And just this past year, and by the way, over the last two years, which have been so chaotic with COVID and political turmoil and the divisiveness of our country and all of that. And as you know, churches around the country and even around the world have shut their doors. Do you know that in the last two years, New Life Church as a whole is stronger than it's ever been in its history? Giving is at an all-time high the last two years. Engagement is at an all-time high the last two years. Thanks be to God for that. And in this past year, you can give thanks to God for that. And in this past year, our debt as a congregation has dipped under $10 million for the first time in its history. We're at $9.5 million. That's amazing. And one of the things that the elders, along with Pastor Brady, have been feeling the Spirit laying on their hearts is that in this next year, New Life North, this is what Brady's charging the New Life North congregation with this morning, is that it's the responsibility of the parent congregation to be able to be a strength to the daughter congregations. And one of the things that makes that really challenging is that $9.5 million of debt. So this year will be a year where New Life North, they're going to try the best that they can to pay off all $9.5 million of that debt this year. And you know why they're doing that? So that congregations like New Life Downtown, New Life Midtown, New Life Manitou Springs, and New Life East can get into permanent locations faster than we would have otherwise. Thanks be to God for that. And I know a lot of you shivered through last Sunday, the cold of being in this rented facility that we love so much. And one day, we're going to get in a home. And that, by the way, like that, that is like New Life's commitment to us, to be a strength to us, which is a huge thanks be to God. But do you know that our being in a building, having a facility of our own and all of that means absolutely nothing if the integrity of our life together as a congregation isn't good, if we're not vibrant and vital and alive. So yay for all of that, whenever that's going to be. But what's incumbent upon us in this moment is to live into what God's identity for us now is, his mission for us now is. And so with, with that, I want to lay three words in front of you that I think that the Lord I think that these are definitional words for us going into the next year. And the first one is prayer. 
prayer. Across all of our New Life congregations, this will be a point of emphasis for us this year. Jesus says when he cleansed the temple and the Gospels, he quotes Isaiah and he says this, that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The first identity of the people of God is they are a people who gather together in the presence of God for prayer. Do you know that's essentially what a church service is? It's a large prayer gathering. And it's so easy to forget that in the machinery of doing church and being church and all of the programs that we have and things that we're working on, we forget all of that. This year, we're calling New Life Church back to its roots of prayer. I want to invite Andy Rosier to come up here. Would you give Andy Rosier a hand as he comes up? Some of you maybe don't know, you know that Andy's joined our team uh, as one of our worship leaders here at New Life East. He's also been hired by New Life Church to spearhead our fresh efforts at prayer. So Andy, give us a little bit of an overview on what we're working on this year and yeah. what we're calling people into. I'm really excited about this. I'm excited to step into it. I'm excited that New Life has a building called the World Prayer Center that he has already built for us that we can step back into and establish and refill the yes. well of prayer within yes. our church. But I've been a worship pastor for over 20 years and I'll continue to be a worship pastor, and I will never in a day in my life try to, be, try to get you to be a fan of worship. In the same way, I won't get you to try and be a fan of prayer. What it's about is being a vehicle to get us to fall in love more and grow deeper with Jesus. Yes. And in the same way that I would send my four boys to a camp in the summer because God is going to be there and to have something there for my boys. In the same way, our church is calling us to prayer because eight times a week, 7.30 a.m. and midday, Monday through Thursday, Jesus is going to be hanging out with us at the yes. World Prayer Center and has something for us there. Yes. And the beautiful thing about prayer is it's not just about the Lord, but the Lord wants to bless the prayer yeah. as well. So we're going to be meeting those eight times a week. Yep. Um, specifically, if you want to, you can come Wednesday morning, at which New Life East will be hosting that. But you can come any time you want, and there will be different ministries there. They won't be praying specifically just about what's going on in their ministries. We're going to be tackling a whole bunch of different things within our church, outside of our church, for the needs of our congregation and our world. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Give it up for Andy Rosier again. Prayer is the fuel that makes a church vibrant. So we want to call you to commit to us to pray. If you can make it 7.30 a.m. Wednesday mornings at the World Prayer Center, me and the New Life East team will be there leading prayer. We'd love to have you join us and storm the gates with us. If you can't make that service, uh, go to any one of the other services. But we're calling you to pick one of those services if your schedule permits and be there. And if your schedule doesn't permit, I don't know, maybe shift some things around a little bit. Number one, prayer. Number two, I feel like the word that the Lord is, one of the words that the Lord has given us this year is the word engagement. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, that now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Everybody say, each one of you. If we are baptized members of the body of Christ, part of what that means is that God has given grace to us that doesn't belong to us. But that grace is intended to be released into the body for the building up of the body. And so this year, we want to invite New Life East to a fresh season of engagement. I'm going to invite Colin Stoddard to come up. Would you give it up for Pastor Colin, who you love so much? Colin, talk to us a little bit about what engagement on Sunday mornings looks like here. Yes, you know, I think when we look and think about serving the Lord, we think that it's this grand thing. You know, Kristen Massey's in Africa. We're like, that's, that's serving the Lord. But we know that God really shows up in the mundane which is the everyday activity of us showing up. And so that's what we do on Sunday. We mundanely, we show up to Sunday to worship. And we have a group of 200 who are serve-approved people who've gone through the serve-approval process through New Life to be part of our, uh, our serve teams. But actively, we have about, about 70 of them who are actually doing the work. And so what, what, if we had all 200, which is really uh, almost, that's about 40% of our church body, if we had even most of those who are serve approved, who are responding to serve invitations, who are engaging with their serve leaders, we would be overflowing mm. with enough servers. 
So the invitation for you this morning is twofold. If you are already serve approved, would you just consider serving a little more? Maybe you only serve once a month. Would you serve twice a month? Maybe you only serve once a quarter. Would you serve once a month? You know, and just think about doing that. On your seat, there's a card that has two simple boxes for you to check. One of them's on the group sides, which Pastor Roy will talk about in a second. The other one's for serving. One of them says children's ministry, because that's where the greatest need is. Another one just says, I just want to help. Put me in. Mm. So maybe you haven't even taken the step of saying, sure, I'd love to serve. And if you haven't, my encouragement to you is this, that when Kevin and Leonard come in here on Sunday mornings, they get here about 730, and they set up each one of these chairs, and they pray over them as they do so. Well, you come and you sit and you hear about the Lord. You're encouraged in the Lord because of your ability to sit and be comfortable in these chairs. And the same happened for my friend Zion and Bethany. They came and they're sitting through church, and Zion said, I need part of this. I need Jesus in my life. We call for prayer at the end of the service, and Michelle Noblet comes up and stands for yep. prayer, and Zion comes up to Michelle and says, I, I, need, I need prayer. Um, I need a job. Zion goes home, and the day later he sees a posting for a job that has brought him so much fulfillment and so much good. And then Zion says, you know, I need to be baptized. I'm, I need to be fully bought into this body. And, and Kevin and Leonard had a part of that when they said, we will bless these chairs and set it up. Yeah. So my point being, That's when it. you join the serve team, you are, you're literally saving lives when you do that. I love that. So would you take another step? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. Give it up for Colin. We're not just like when we serve what we're doing, in whatever capacity we serve, we're participating in the ministry of the Spirit that is literally saving people's lives. That's what it's all about. And that ministry of the Spirit doesn't just live, though, here on Sunday mornings. It also extends into our home groups. Some of you might know we hired Pastor Rory back last fall uh, to be our associate pastor really over Connect. So what Rory is over is all community development that takes place outside of the Sunday morning gathering. So I want to invite Rory to the stage. Give it up for Pastor Rory. To talk to us just to, for a couple minutes here about some of our vision for home groups in the coming year and what you want to call people into. Yeah, you know, I, I love, there's a moment in the video that we roll before you get up every Sunday where you can hear Pastor Glenn Packham's voice and he says these words. He says, we, you know, we don't do things at New Life to just make you busy. Yeah. We do things to help you belong. And I think that's the heart of our, our ministry team and our staff as we think about the future of, of home groups here. Um, we're not interested in just giving you another like religious Christian-y thing to do, right? We're not interested in just putting you with a bunch of other Christians. We're actually yep. really interested in helping you find a place yep. to belong. Yep. Um, because you may have gone here since the inception of New Life East. You might have started coming here on Christmas Eve. What is almost always consistent is you will find people who after a period of time of just coming to church on a Sunday, sitting in a seat, worshiping, listening to a message, they will eventually go, I just want more. Yeah. I, I, wanna, I wanna hear the stories of how God is changing people's lives. I wanna jump into the scripture and hear God's voice. And, and we want that to happen with our home group. So here's what I wanna challenge you with. If you are one of those people who you, you come, you sit, you're a part of the family here at New Life, but you've never taken a step to jump into a group, Man, that card on that seat, we want to invite you, man, take that next step. Go ahead and check it. You can just leave those cards on those seats. We'll pick them up between services. But maybe you're someone who you've watched those people sort of come in and sit for a few months and never really connect. And you've had this thing growing inside of you, this, this pressure that God has put on your heart to now open up your home, yeah. open up your table as a space where God can bring people and invite them. So if you're one of those people and you're going, you know what? I think it's time for us to step up and be a group leader. Some of you have already had those conversations mm -hmm. with. We want to invite you, check that box, put some information down, and be a part of it. We actually have a training for new group leaders coming yep, up coming on up in a couple weeks. Uh, Wednesday, January 26th. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. You can stop by Connect Central and holler at me about that. But we are so excited about what God is going to do, not just here on Sunday mornings, but outside of a Sunday morning gathering for our church. So good. Give it up for Rory one more time. This is about... It's about really what home groups are about is about it's about taking the ministry of the spirit that happens here on a Sunday morning and pushing it into our neighborhoods so that that same gravitas of the presence of God that we experience here we're experiencing at tables together in intimate relationships where people are being transformed. So the words for the year are prayer, engagement, and here's the last word. The last word is invitation. Invitation. And the Lord has been bugging me about this word for many months now as I've been praying about the future of New Life East. Lord, what do you have for us? And the word has been invitation. And I haven't 
known altogether what that word means other than it's something about our ethos together. And here's what I know about a congregation. That in congregational development and congregational life, one of the things that happens when we get to exactly the stage that we are at as a congregation is that there's a temptation for us to become insular. And so we look around and we go, well, I know you and I know you and I know you. And I've got my little place where I serve and I've got my little spot where I sit. And everything about this is very routine and it's very comfortable and it's very good. And this becomes a club where we protect one another in our ecclesiastical safety. And the church is supposed to be a safe place. And it's also supposed to be a place where the Spirit of God agitates us and disturbs us because of who He's bringing into our midst. And I quoted this earlier in the sermon here, but I think about the great prophecy of Isaiah when he looked ahead to the end of history and he saw the New Jerusalem. And this is what he said about the New Jerusalem. He said, your gates will always stand what? Your gates will always stand open. By day and by night, they will never be shut. Why does New Life East exist? We exist for the sake of everybody who is not yet a part of New Life East. That we would live into that desire of God to see men and women reconciled to the Father. That we'd live into it in such a way that our lives, our whole posture as individuals and as a congregation becomes a living invitation for humanity to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So that those waters of baptism that we experienced, that Jesus created for us, that many, 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 many others come and they find God in those same waters and they're also called into the mission with us. So New Life East, the three words, prayer, engagement, and invitation, that we're part of how God is redeeming the world to himself. Would you stand this morning and let's as we prepare our hearts to respond here in worship, would you just begin now, if the Spirit is tugging on you, it might be that you're just kind of sitting on the fringes of our community and checking us out, and the jury's out on whether or not you belong here. And, but it might also be that inside this conversation this morning, you're feeling the tug of the Spirit. And those of you that feel as though you're committed to New Life East, that this is your church home, your church family, I want you now just to begin to lift up your hearts to the Lord. And what we're doing is we're doing exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, Paul wrote, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your worship. And so, Lord Jesus, we present ourselves before you this morning. We thank you for the love that has gone before us, the love that you are, the love of God in human flesh, incarnate of the Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate, raised to life again on the third day, and you will return again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and your kingdom will have no end. You are over it all and in it all and through it all, Lord over all things, and you're calling us. And so we yield ourselves to you. We ask that this year you would make us a people of prayer, that you would draw us into the secret place individually. And we also pray over all of these prayer meetings that you'd pour out your spirit in a fresh way on New Life Church. Grant it, we pray. We ask, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your spirit, as you've equipped each one of us with gifts and abilities and talents and passions that are to be used for the sake of the body, We pray that you'd help us find our space in the body and that the grace that is released through our lives would build up the body and make it strong. We ask that people would be saved, that their lives would be redeemed, that folks would be reconciled to the Father because of it. Grant it, we pray. And we ask that this year would be a year of invitation. I'm asking that something like what Isaiah dreamed of would happen in Forest Meadows and in Banning Lewis Ranch and Falcon and Callahan and Ramah because New Life East exists, that they would come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and they would come and fall down in this place, just like Isaiah prophesied, and say, teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. We don't even know why we're here, but we're here. Something told us that we needed to come into this place. So what do you know about the living God? Show us. Lord, we pray that we would be overwhelmed with the amount of people who are hungry and thirsty for God and needing to be discipled. Would you do that? Would you give us good problems in this place? The problem of how to care for all of the sheep that you're sending our way. The problem of how to tend to all of those whose lives you're wanting to entrust us with. So we say, come. Have your way in this community.
And we pray together as you taught us this morning, Lord Jesus. Say it with me, church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, let's respond in worship before we come to the table.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Would you just do that in this moment? Simply give him thanks for all that he has done. I often think about the first time that Jesus gathered to take communion with his, his closest friends. and There were people all around that table that were so different. And my prayer for New Life East is that we would become a place that looks just like that. Where there are people who are close to God, but who are slowly drawing in the people in their lives who are not close to God. That by the Spirit, we would see the faces of people who look so different from us, who sound different than us, who vote different than us, who think different than us. And yet at the table, it is the place where Jesus brings all of those things together into a family of belonging. And so that first night, he took bread and he reminded his closest friends that this bread represented his body, which would be broken for the sake of all those people who would one day gather around the table. And he said, every time you gather and you eat, do this in remembrance of me. New Life East, take and eat. And in the same way, after he took the bread, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant, a new promise for all people. This, this drink, this blood that I will soon shed for all of you. He said, whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. New Life East, take and drink. And now let us respond by singing the doxology. lift your hands this morning and receive this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. Remember to see us at Connect Central on the way out. If you have those little cards and you filled something out, you can just leave it on your seat. We'll collect it after the service here. New Life East, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.